0: For Halloween 2016, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 435. Team sexy, team scary, team offensive. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of spooky scrutiny it doesn't deserve. Uh, From Los Angeles, the Halloween capital of Los Angeles, I am your host, Matt Rather, and I'm here with fellow overthinkers, Ben Adams. Ben, boo! Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ah, I was so scared. Uh, Pete Fenzel. Pete, boo! Boo! Yakasha! How's it going? (laughs) There it is. And Mark Lee. Mark, boo! You strike my heart with fear and loathing. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Well, uh, I hope it it is... Uh, purged in a cathartic uh, in a cathartic display or at least I hope I've scared the spirits back over into the uh, back over into the next world where they belong that's right it's the Halloween overthinking it podcast the once a year podcast where uh, your smart funny friends from the internet subject all uh, all manner of Halloween culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve in fact it's probably not once a year it's it you know, is it once every seven years? Does it work out that Halloween, uh, this is an interesting question. Given a date in the calendar, oh, say October 31st, what is the cycle of which it falls on a particular day of the week, given our, given our seven day week, right? Like, is it regular or do leap years? What is the, the, uh, period of that, of that cycle? Because there must, there must be one. Um,
1: I'm shocked, as you are, Matt, that we do not have a high-functioning autistic savant Rain Man uh, who can answer this question for us immediately.
2: It's not—it's not hard, right? It's that for four years it goes ahead one day of the week, right? And then because isn't 365 so because 364 is divisible by sevens right so it's 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 full weeks plus one day so every year it advances one day except every fourth year it advances two days right so uh, I know I, I it's been a long time since I've done
0: my kind of n equals series kind of stuff. yeah but it's it's but. it's not just that because every hundred years you don't have a leap year on the so right. years that end years that end with double zero aren't leap years so in which in that case it would advance a day so it's at least that the sequence is at least a hundred years well while we google uh furiously to find (laughs) to find out this and use use the internet as our as our savant uh let's jump in to uh let's jump into the question Uh, question of the week guys robert langdon needs our help not the character, the uh, professor of symbology, which is not a thing. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, the, uh, the franchise in which he stars, starting with the Da Vinci Code, uh, the Dan Brown series of books that have been adapted into a set of movies starring Tom Hanks. Because this one, uh, opened, the latest one, Inferno, opened this Halloween weekend and did not do all that well at the box office it came in second place uh behind boo a media halloween the latest entry in tyler perry's franchise um it it was uh glossed in the press as being a another kind of franchise rejection uh fr- which was kind of a theme of this year's box office um but that I, I think is not the case, because Medea, having done better, and Medea was a holdover by the way Medea wasn 't even uh, wasn 't even in its debut week, like Medea having done better well that is uh, that 's a franchise, and so uh, we 're only rejecting certain franchises and certain other ones i we, apparently we uh, we seem to like so Robert Langdon needs our help, getting good stories, good conspiracy stories, or mysteries of some kind that he can solve to win. At the box office, in uh, what should have been an easy pitch uh, for this uh, Dan Brand film Inferno to hit. So, uh, what? Let's let's help him out. What conspiracy theory or what plot do you uh, think? We should pair up Robert Langdon with what case should he solve uh, in order to do better at the box office in his next outing. First, in the alphabet drink, because it's not Pete Fenzel, it's Ben Adams.
3: So I was thinking about this and that the words of Benjamin Franklin came to mind that uh, we we, we must all hang together or else we shall surely or we must... Sorry, what's the line? Let us all hang together or we shall surely hang separately. Robert Langdon so far has been trying to uh, to go it alone. And if we've learned anything about movies and the box office, you need a shared universe to, to really unleash the potential. So, of course, he needs to join forces with Benjamin Franklin Gates in National Treasure 3 uh, to really get this thing going. I want to see yes. Robert Langdon yes. and Nicolas Cage. No
0: joke, you stole mine.
3: <laughs> I, I apologize. For no, not at this all. Is, this is my my pride of place of being an Adams. I get to get to go go. Oh, for the, Adams descended the low descend, hanging the, the des- low hanging de- fruit.
0: Descended from the original Adams, who uh, you know was the president of the United States, right? Uh, exactly. No, uh, can, continue continue, sir. Take enjoy your pride of place. You you deserve. So
3: I I, I don't know exactly which mystery they're going to solve. Given that uh, Robert Langdon really goes for the arts, I mean National Treasure Two, as we all know left the uh, the book of secrets as a hanging plot. So I think we, we clearly the book of secrets is going to be involved involving presidents. So I'm thinking maybe the presidential portraits are going to have some secret codes in them since so that that's fun because there's like a sequence of them, you know, there's 44 official portraits that clearly all have a secret code embedded on the back in invisible ink or, or something like that that Robert Langdon needs to uh, to decode after Uh, Nicolas Cage breaks into the White House to steal them all.
0: Excellent. I'm I'm less familiar with the National Treasure oeuvre, but do the Illuminati come into play? Because that seems like with the like with the pyramid on the money and whatnot, that seems uh, like a a no brainer if we're doing if we're going to Washington, D.C.
3: The uh, the Freemasons. The Masons. Oh, the okay Masons, yes.
0: There you go. Um, excellent. And uh but it's 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 happened. It's happened already. Excellent. All right, the uh the Nicolas Cage uh Tom Hanks team up movie certainly would do better at the box office. Thank you, Ben. Pete Fenzel, what is the conspiracy theory that you are going to uh drop Tom Hanks in the middle of?
2: So the Robert Langdon stories, as converted into movies, are successful when they contain a compelling misdirection. Right, and that's the problem with Inferno In the Da Vinci Code. It's like, oh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci was painting paintings for a variety of reasons, right? Uh, you know, he was a, he was a smart guy. You know, he he was an artist. He wanted them to be beautiful. Some of them were devotional. Some of them were, you know, erotic or semi-erotic, right? Uh, and all this sort of mathematics is incorporated into it, and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, this idea that really it's a secret code about women and Mary Magdalene and Jesus, and it's in all the artwork. Uh, that is not the stated a sensible purpose of the artwork of Leonardo da Vinci is to tell you that uh, that you know there's a secret code to suppress women in the history of the Catholic Church, which I guess is a Da Vinci Code spoiler, but it's been a long time. Uh, so I feel like at this point, if you haven't seen the Da Vinci Code and you didn't know that that's what it was about, that might cause you to go see or read the Da Vinci Code. In which case, I've done my job. Uh, Angels and Demons is a sequel to Da Vinci Code. I, I'm not even really sure. I didn't see it, but but I do know that Inferno has a problem because the at the end of the world or the circles of hell like being real like is the sensible purpose, right? Of it is the surface level purpose of Dante's Inferno is that like these horrible things will happen to you, right? Like if you are bad, there's actual people that are in in hell that you know did things that that uh, that Dante doesn't approve of. So the idea that like oh yeah Dante's Inferno might actually be hell is not a secret, right? That it might be real is like not compelling, right? Because then you could just do all sorts of stuff like oh did you know that Huck Finn was a real person? Robert Langdon rides down the river. No, this isn't wishbone right where it's like you take robert langdon and you put him in a little robin hood outfit and he goes out and he's he's on the holodeck with q or he's like having the adventures of robin hood. no i think you so stole the one Matt, problem you here is we Matt's need to new find, idea. what's up yeah you just, stole, you just stole my Matt's new idea you did robert you stole langdon my second wishbone. idea <laughs> wait that robert langdon makes wishbone is that what you're saying
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm gonna have nothing by the time my turn comes around <laughs>
2: Well, that wasn't even my idea. So, so that's the first problem, is that it needs to be something that has an ostensible purpose that's different from the nefarious purpose or the secret purpose or the altruistic purpose, whatever it is that, that uh, Robert Langdon discovers. And there needs to be a sense of mystery about it, right? There needs to be a question, on, on, like the question of Mona Lisa's smile. It's a question that's posed. And the other problem is that if you're going into the ring with Medea, you better be in that league, right? And, and right now, uh, Robert Langdon is not in Medea's league, like not at all. And so what I'm looking for, especially if you want to make movies that come out around Halloween, is something that is in Medea's League right? That, that that has an ostensible purpose and yet poses some sort of enigmatic or secret or unanswerable question by implication that for some reason society has never thought to answer. And when I think of the questions that are asked by pop culture or by culture in general or by our shared stories or by our art and, and questions that, that are asked that no one has even thought to answer the one that jumps to mind, especially around Halloween and silly Halloween movies, is know what I mean, right? So what I'm suggesting, right? What I'm suggesting is that Robert Langdon discovers that the events in the Jim Varney Ernest movies yes. actually happened in real life, and that there was a cover up about about the reality of these things. That Ernest actually went to camp. That Ernest <laughs> actually went to jail. That on. <laughs> Really, unfortunately, Ernest actually went to Africa. That Ernest joined the army. That he wrote again. That he did indeed save Christmas, and that he did indeed uh, slam dunk, uh, which is rather unfortunate as well. But that Ernest did all these things. But it's been, but it was couched as a fictional property because there are these vast global implications. Why was Ernest in jail? Why was Christmas in danger? Right? Like, why are these things necessary? And why is is who is Vern? Right, that Ernest is constantly writing to, right? Vern, right? Is is it is it the is it Vern? Is it the the virgin? Is that Latin? Right? Or is, is it a code? Vern has got to be a code, right? It's gotta refer to someplace in the Cheyenne Mountains. And Vern is and Ernest is right there saying, know what I mean? Know what I mean? And Robert Langdon saying, yes, yes, Audrey Tattoo, let's go. I know what I, well, I know what he means. I know what he means. And hopefully, it'll be discovered that Jim Varney has been alive this entire time and faked his own death, which would be an awesome thing to have actually happened in real life uh, because his loss was a tragedy. And then Tyler Perry could appear, at, at, you know, and he could be in it. As Medea. I feel like this could be a crossover. There's a lot of opportunity here is all I'm saying. I'm saying there's there's cinematic riches that lie between 1983 and uh, 1995 or so <laughs> that have untapped and questions unanswered and mysteries unexplored.
0: When you said it on the same level as Medea, I thought you were referring to the Greek tragedy, right? Which has nothing <laughs> nothing to do with, with Tyler Perry's Medea. And I, yeah, no, no, no. no. I,
2: there's no Ernest is boiled in a bathtub full of goats or whatever, whatever <laughs> happens.
0: Oh uh, you know what well, call- uh, no, she kills the, she kills the children. Spoiler alert for Medea, uh, yeah. but she talks a lot about uh, doing it before she actually does it, <laughs> so it's not like it comes out of nowhere. You know? So
2: which which is a better title, Ernest of Vipers, or <laughs> The Ernest Code, or The Importance of Being Ernest? That's probably not the right way to go.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, d- yeah, that, that, that last one might give people the wrong idea at the box yeah. office. But we can, leave the, we can leave the title as an exercise to the reader and move on to our friend Mark Lee. Mark Lee, what mystery is Tom Hanks going to solve for you? All
1: right, so we are all pretty hot to trot to pro- pro- propose crossover opportunities for Robert Langdon uh, and the Dan Browniverse, uh, and my answer is no exception to this. But I'm going to ground this really from the business perspective, which is that Sony Pictures, right, has not done well um, with the, this particular franchise, and they have been open to zany crossover ideas in the past. If you might remember, during that remember that time when North Korea hacked Sony Pictures and all those emails came out? Yeah, it wasn't that that actually happened? That was real life. Uh, and one of the crazy ideas that they floated out for a crossover was 21 Jump Street and Men in Black. That is to say, take Channing Tatum and um, – um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, uh, Jonah Jonah Hill. Yep. Uh, take their characters and then put them into the uh, into the Men in Black universe, um, which gives me the great idea of crossing over several Sony Pictures properties, all of which I think are in need of a pick-me-up. Um, well, 21 Jump Street, which hasn't had a sequel in several years. Ghostbusters, uh, which did not do well. And, of course, uh, the Dan Brown universe, the Robert Langdon um, series of movies. So here's my pitch. All right, bear with me on this. Uh, The Vatican has discovered that uh, its notion of the afterlife and cosmology and spirits is is kind of breaking down. And all um, the manner of dead spirits that are in the Vatican catacombs are haunting the Vatican. Um, In order to investigate what's going on, the Jump Street unit, for some reason, sends in Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill uh, undercover as uh, Catholic priests into the Vatican. Um and they join forces with the Ghostbusters who are there to boast the Bust the ghosts in the Vatican, and of course they need Robert Langdon's help to decipher all the, uh, the clues that are hidden in the artwork of the Vatican and how to get the ghosts back into their proper places in the Vatican cosmology. Uh, it will offer, let's see here, female empowerment with the female Ghostbusters. It will offer uh, male bro-ish sex comedy with the 21 Jump Street Boys, and it will offer uh, cosmology and art history. And conspiracy theories with the Robert Langdon uh, character. So we're really checking off all sorts of different boxes that in Sony Pictures will have a surefire hit on their hands. Trust me.
2: So, so can you have a side a side plot where uh, Kevin James is taking a Segway tour of Rome while this is happening and has like zany <laughs> antics on his Segway around yes. giant computer generator yes, 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 absolutely. Bring Paul Bart Mark Mark, Mark, Mark into this. Uh, I, yes. think I, I think Paul Bart, I think it's Columbia Pictures as Paul Blart, which would explain why it was good. But I think Kevin James slumming it is officially owned by Sony, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> So it would have to be it would have to be Paul Blart, but you I mean maybe you could buy the property, maybe you could license it, or maybe you could just have him play a different mall cop. Right? He could be, you know, he could be
0: an Italian mall cop with a well, it could be like, like Sony's, you to like the, the, uh, I think Quicksilver and like there are a couple, Scarlet Witch maybe, like there are a couple of Marvel characters that exist in multiple studios, mm-hmm. Marvel universes. And I think that that, uh, that could be something like Paul Blart could exist. I mean, uh, as important, uh, a mythological character as Paul Blart could exist in a, mo- a multiple studio franchises, I think.
2: I like the idea that Sony can sue for adverse possession because they've been humiliating Kevin and James on film for so long that it's like inappropriate to file any sort of motion against it happening further. <laughs> it's like an easement. Yeah, exactly.
3: As long as we're stacking franchises, I'd like uh, John McClane to make a cameo just to misdirect the audience. Like you, think, <laughs> you think he's going to get caught up in everything, but no, he's just like a tourist in Rome and he just like takes some pictures and leaves.
0: Interesting. My so my uh, my answer to this goes in a different direction, right? I don't think that uh, I I think that that all this this stuff, these Robert Langdon movies, are failing at the box office. Um, Because uh, it doesn't appeal to the demographic that is extraordinarily important to to marketers everywhere, and that uh, it doesn't, uh, uh, you know, and that is the sort of the least traditional demographic in terms of their media consumption. I'm, of course, speaking of millennials. uh, And that, you know, not millennials in the sense of people who believe that the millennium uh, involves some sort of Great Awakening or conspiracy theory of, of some sort. I mean, people who are, uh, what shall we say, 25 and younger. And, you know, uh, like the smartphones and whatnot. Um, and so, so rather than go into these old, boring, uh, like, oh, secrets under the Vatican. Okay, grandpa, you know, whatever that is, right? I think that Robert Langdon has to discover hidden messages in the place where the millennials like to live and spend all of their time, uh, Snapchat. I think there has to be a, a Snapchat <laughs> conspiracy... Uh, and that it's it 's discovered that you know um, that strange scribbles are showing up that that people didn 't draw i mean you know we 've talked about the the crappy uh, uh, aesthetic of snapchat f- pictures where you like scribble with your finger over the the picture we 've talked about that on the podcast but like but new scribbles or emoji that don 't actually exist in the emoji keyboard like i don't know oh say an emoji of an all-seeing eye at the top of a pyramid or something you know that's that's the bad version i'm just spitballing here you know we're gonna punch this up in development um can i can i make a suggestion to yeah, add on this yeah please Because i mean robert langdon's
3: thing is he goes into things that are old to discover some important truth about today you know so in the context of you know inferno or angels and demons he's looking at you know renaissance art or something like that so what's ancient history for millennials is like GeoCities and Angel Fire. Uh-huh.
0: So clearly,
2: <laughs> that's where this conspiracy. I was gonna begins. say MySpace. He has to venture into MySpace. <laughs> yeah, Master.
3: he's gotta like yeah. uncode midis and <laughs> <laughs> old right. School, I, 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 old I got a title fright.
1: for this. I got a title for this. Of course, this refers to the mysterious uh, cryptograms that uh, Snapchat users use to uh, add a profile to their to their account, um, which is of course the qr code Mm, mm.
2: (laughs) how about the eggplant code it's all about (laughs) eggplant emojis it's like the secret you know he gets a new snapchat and he only has eight seconds to decode it before it's erased
0: forever right so there's a time right there's a built-in time lock right like before his niece tells him that you can screenshot it yeah (laughs) <laughs> you can, you have to you Which have to go on back two of the movie yeah exactly. Right. you go on airplane <laughs> mode, screenshot it immediately turn your phone off, and then turn your phone back on, go off of airplane mode, and then view it normal and they won 't know that that you 've uh screenshotted it that 's not a uh screenshot it i screenshotted would be a, a terrible word, and i hope that I hope that that 's not the past participle that that we actually um that we actually come up with. So this is, yeah, exactly. This this summer, break the QR code. This summer, you have eight seconds to break the QR code. Robert Langdon in... Snap. No, I don't, you know, I don't know. The, the, the snap conspiracy. Uh, something like that. You know, like the, the studio will test a number of different titles and find out what, uh, what goes. So that's, that's mine. It's, it's, uh, the Da Vinci Code for, for millennials. Oh, well, there it is. It, it suggests, it suggests itself right there from that. This summer, Robert Langdon will crack the Zuckerberg Code. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just think you should call it you should call it uh ghosts and dick pics. No, that's that's business. <laughs> he doesn't go on chat roulette. That would be a really dated. That would uh chat roulette seems older than all those other things that sounded old
0: i feel like there's there's a great opportunity for a um for like a who's on first style uh comedy bit where it's like where are we going my space wait we're going into your space no my space yeah that's what i said your space no not my space my space and that it could you know go on like that for five for five or six minutes um you could have a big climactic scene where he has to go to like Coachella or
2: Bonnaroo or some place where there's like all of the Snapchats in the world are going to be launched simultaneously. So he has to like be. It's like going to be a a, a Justin Bieber concert or something where it's like the Nexus will open and there'll be a portal because all movies now have to have a portal. That's did, was there a portal? There probably was a portal in Inferno, right? Because all movies now it's required by law, I think, in China that all movies have to have portals in them.
0: Right. That's but that's the um that the the innovation of Inferno was that being uh literally infernal right the um the portal was below the earth instead of in the heavens right? oh okay and it gotcha. was a it was poor i am just it's making like that
2: avengers up. but down is what you're saying <laughs> right
0: <laughs> yeah it's like an upside down it's like an upside down uh avengers uh right and and um, de- you know demons right instead of instead of chitari uh yeah. coming up instead of instead of coming down and instead of uh you know the the and, and actually you know i it, to a certain extent like robert langdon tom tom hanks as robert langdon is robert downey jr as tony stark sort of through a glass darkly right like is is uh, sincere where the one is cynical uh is um you know, stayed where the one is flamboyant. Anyway, the the uh, the suggestions of the overthinkers for new entries in the Da Vinci Code franchise. You're welcome, Ron Howard. We just might save your career after all.
1: You're welcome, college humor video guy who's going to actually film one of these <laughs> ideas. Actually, if that happened, I would be supremely flattered and really
0: satisfied, especially my Ghostbusters idea, because I think it's great. Yeah, I'd, I'd be satisfied with the royalty check. All right. Speaking of ghosts and dick pics, guys, it's Halloween! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Happy Halloween! <laughs> Happy Halloween! Oh, it's a spooky, uh, spooky Halloween. And and this is like a. It's not just me, is it? I mean, maybe, maybe like. Wh- so here's here 's a i 'm going to propose the counterfactual before i even before I even propose the proposition because this is overthinking it, and I think our audience can handle it um, so uh, of course I would say well guys 30 years ago everyone used to celebrate Halloween like a child and now everyone celebrates Halloween like an adult. Why is that guys? Well could it be <laughs> that that 30 years ago I was a child and and uh now against uh, you know evidence to the contrary notwithstanding I I am an adult. But it does seem like it it has entered uh that that the 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 cultural observance has has developed i mean largely according to the logic of late capitalism which needs to kind of give us um uh, which needs to give us new crap to spend money on uh, at, at various predetermined points uh, in the year and sort of act like it, it has always been and uh, it has always been thus, right? Like the, the, uh, it, there, there's been this sort of development in, in Halloween where it's like – and, and the, the terrible, terrible tragedy of having Halloween on a Monday means that you have to go to Halloween parties on Friday and Saturday – and Sunday, uh, I did not do this, but um, other people do uh, other people do, and I, I have the instagram feed to to prove it i mean what what are all these grown ups doing? Why do all these grown ups want to dress? up and and i mean like I, I i'm not accepting well because it's fun matt duh as as an answer what what is it about this that that gets people so excited gets people looking looking forward to it is is your life so bereft of excitement it are your days so miserable do you drag yourselves by your fingernails from day to agonizing day uh with with nothing to nothing to to enjoy to such an extent that like, you know, I putting a set of cat ears on your head or like carrying a pitchfork in your normal t shirt and jeans combo like qualifies as, as a major departure for your life. Pete, what the hell is going on uh, with 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 Halloween?
2: I mean, clearly it's because it's the time of year when the barrier between the world of the living and the world of the dead is at its narrowest and most permeable. And if we don't put scary masks on, the dead are going to think it's okay just to cross on over. But no, we got to put those masks on and also all of our sexy outfits and scare the dead back to their graves. Are you Uh, saying there's a portal, Pete? are you saying there's a portal that has opened up between <laughs> the two worlds? Here's, here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's what I actually would... I guess there is a portal, and that would be... That is a great movie. I mean, it's the Monster Squad, right? It is, which is also a great movie. But the idea that, that like, a sort of a Sam Hain, Wiccan... I mean, obviously, I'm bastardizing all of these different ideas, but this idea that there is a sort of, like, contemporary Wiccan apocalypse that's coming would be a movie that they should make, I think. Uh, but it would have to be some sort of franchise thing, I suppose. You could make an Ant-Man movie about it, where he has to go to a bunch of Halloween parties and like get really small and, and hide in other people's costumes, but no. So I think I think what's happened with Halloween, I think, is that because people don't do uh, Lent, they they don't have a reason. Like Mardi Gras has sort of become its own thing, and Carnival. Carnival, rather, has become its own thing. And those things are those things are very ethnically charged and apply to specific places and specific peoples. But there is a tradition in a lot of different cultures of having a masquerade season, right? like having a carnivalesque masquerade season and I think what's happened in our s- civilization and what it feels like has happened, it feels like it's been more more recent than than like uh, always, right It does feel like it's happened during our lifetimes that Halloween has increasingly become a season of ma- carnivalesque masquerade rather than a season of sort of spooky harvest celebration, right? Uh, and that might also be because of where we live, which is mostly on the coasts, right? Uh, and it's not something in, of the United States, mind you. So in sort of like uh, self, self-conceived self cosmopolitan places, which seek out these sorts of cultural uh, distinctions and cultural practices and look for ways to incorporate them into their mostly secular lifestyles. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, because the question we everyone makes fun of, this is a question I would pose right back. Everyone makes fun of sexy Halloween costumes, but aren't. Sexy Halloween costumes a big part of the point for a lot of people like and, and not just sexy in terms of being like revealing or objectifying but like even costumes that are empowering isn't there sort of a sexual an element of sexual potency and fantasy in the idea for a man or a woman to dress in a costume that makes them feel powerful and go to a party well i guess right? I, like, I
0: guess so i mean my 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 answer would be similar to what 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 you say like is is your life so bereft of sexual excitement and a feeling of agency that you you know, you need to put on a, uh, uh, uh hard hat that you, that you yes. can, that you really want us to answer that question.
2: Yeah. <laughs> with the dark I, mean, I'm, I didn't go monster. to, I didn't dress up and go out for Halloween. This year. For me, it's, it's all about, it's totally different, but I want to address this carnivalesque stuff a little bit. I mean, Matt, you're familiar with the, the sort of literary and cultural concept of the carnivalesque, right? You know, kind of how it works
0: a, li- a little bit. I'm familiar with it more through Renaissance, Renaissance literature in sort of, sort of, uh, Atmosphere in like uh, images of of feast and a kind of licentious atmosphere around the feast where you know oh we're wearing masks stuff can happen we're in the woods we're running around what did I just yeah. grab I don't even know are you a boy or a girl it doesn't matter carnival you know right. the the uh, the idea I mean the idea that sort of social rather than the barrier between the world uh, between this world and the the world of the dead uh, the barriers that that kind of um, separate certain social roles and certain social norms uh become a little more um become a little more permeable and this is like this is one sort of classic comedy plot where you go from square society into the forest and then back out into square society right yeah. uh and it's all it's all fun in the forest and then um and then I, uh, you know, I won't mention my pet, my pet topic, but, but let me just say the whole point of going to those is, is to sort of have the experience of the forest, right? Like what you're going there is for what you're going there for is, is the forest because it's fun in the forest. There's a, there's yeah. a donkey, but the, the movies
2: uh, <laughs> are not about the extrinsic value of the purge to society, right? Right. Where it's like, man, it really sucks. We have to have this purge, but look at these numbers. Can't argue <laughs> with that. Right. Like it's no, the purge is about something else. Right. So right. Halloween oh, yeah, yeah, purge, about, right. <laughs> <laughs> is sort of a purge, but sex. All crime is legal, if, if, it, if it was regarding outfits. Oh, God. Right? All, all, all outfit <laughs> crime is legal. Yeah,
0: all aesthetic crime is legal. Right? <laughs> to, to, to add to one thing you said, the
2: carnivalesque is particularly concerned with inversion. And I'll just throw that out there, right? Like things happening the opposite of the way that they would normally happen. Sure. Uh
0: yeah. that makes sense. I, right. And that's like oh the the fool is the king, the king is the servant, the yeah. you know, and that like those those sorts of 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 social roles not just being uh, permeable but being being um turned on their turned on their head uh a little bit. Yeah, and that's um yeah, and it's a it's a burlesque of uh, it 's a burlesque of the social order, and it 's probably a, a necessary corrective to, uh, to, the, social, to the social order. I have more I uh, want to say about this, but I feel like we 've been taking up a lot of air, and we should let Mark and ben, uh, Mark and Ben jump in. So, so guys, uh, you got your hard hats out for, for Halloween this year
1: well i 'm a drone of like capitalism for Halloween this year. Um, that's my costume. <laughs> I, I think there uh, uh, this is something I think we talk about a lot in the podcast, and let's just sort of I mean, just sort of restate the, the the core of the idea and kind of go from there again, right? Which is that um we have we talk about late capitalism a lot, right? This notion that our economies have advanced to this scale, so that you know we're all these essentially these um uh, what uh, hard to describe cogs in this uh, economic machine, which is supremely alienated our labor from our product and it supremely alienated our sense of purpose uh, from our lives because we're just kind of all been ground up in the machine. That's kind of like, the, that's the darkest uh, way to interpret it, that. But, um, I mean, it, it, it serves as a, it, it is a narrative, right, to describe what's going on Halloween, which is that, you know, um, soulless office drone who uh, doesn't really accomplish anything um, at, uh, at his quote-unquote job then uh, can dress up as a superhero or as a sexy nurse or something like that, and, and take on some agency and power. Um, it's a convenient uh, explanation. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it.
0: Actually, uh, sure. Yeah. I well, okay. Uh, ben, before before Pete and I stump all over everyone, you want to <laughs> <laughs> you want to get your two cents in?
3: Well, sure. Let me uh, let me throw another log on the fire because when I'm think when we started talking about kind of dressing up and the meanings behind it. But I was thinking of, cause I did not go to Halloween this weekend, uh, but I did attend a tailgate that some friends were throwing for the uh, Florida, Georgia game or the Georgia, Florida game, depending on who you ask. Right, Apparently, and those it's a big deal that you pronounce it in the right order. And those
0: people uh, were dressed up as flamboyantly, if not more, right? Exactly.
3: Yeah. And that, that is a very socially acceptable place where you can put, you know, button otherwise button down or conservative People may, you know, put on crazy face paint and a huge and a big wig or at the very least, they'll just dress up as a player with a unif with a fake uniform on or something like that. Is
2: that, is that the one where they do the world's biggest cocktail party or is that yes, a different the world's thing. biggest that's, cocktail party? Yes. Yeah. What, tell uh, me more about that, because that's I, when I first heard about that, I was pretty fascinated.
3: I mean, so it's really I, I don't actually know. It was not distinguishable, at least as far as I could tell, from uh, from any other else?
2: tailgating, any other tailgating experience. So you saying it was sort of a blurry situation. There were not a lot of clear Florida Georgia <laughs> lines that were being drawn. <laughs> <laughs> just... Waka waka waka. <laughs> Sorry, there,
3: continue. Uh, that's okay. I mean, it is interesting because it's a neutral site game. It's played in Jacksonville, which is neither Florida nor Georgia's hometown. So you've got about a fifty fifty crowd and they each have their own little areas but they're pretty intermingled so there was a lot of uh, friendly you know mixing together between the two uh, the two fandoms but yeah pretty much everybody was was dressed up in one team or another and, and so just thinking along those lines in terms of and of course that's not unique to this weekend that's pretty much every college or nfl game in the country you're gonna have lots and lots of people dressed up in you know their team's attire right and that's I'm, just i think it's an expression of the same impulse that comes out on Halloween it's just Halloween you don't dress up as your team you dress up as kind of anything you want well that,
0: uh, okay but but i th- i think you're onto something because i think you do dress up as your team let me let me right. go from <laughs> the uh let me go from the uh let me uh, okay i, w- I want to go in a lot of directions right now um but let me point out that it's not just at football games like i've been in a slightly more niche but but no less uh uh no less regimented um Kind of cosplay situation known as a Star Trek convention, and it's very important which Star Trek you dress up as, which uh, era of uniforms you use, what the uh, all the details are. So, like, this is the kind of like signaling group membership by uh, through you know attire and decoration, right? Like, is is not um, all that uh, all that outlandish a phenomenon? Now, I I want to imagine. A, uh, I want to imagine a scenario that's almost too horrible to contemplate. I hope this is the scariest thing that you're going to hear this entire Halloween. I want you to imagine that everyone from Overthinking It had a costume party for Halloween. It would be, it would be a cutthroat. <laughs> Doggy dog competition as to who could dress up right in in the most sort of clever take on a deconstruction of an idea tangentially related to uh, Halloween Uh, special prizes for the best couples costume. But the the uh, at this, you know, uh, at this. Uh, this awful um just just grueling uh uh you know supposedly fun supposedly fun party right what would we be doing what would be in the in what would surely ensue uh the bloodbath that would surely ensue what would be at issue right like what would we be competing for and what would we be signaling with what would we be signaling with our costumes in this, in this hypothetical scenario, right? Like it would be something like, uh, something like the most or least appropriate, the most or least, uh, by appropriate, I mean, sort of apropos, right? Like, like on point, uh, the most or least meta, the, the most norm core, right? Like there would be a game and a meta game and a meta meta game, uh, being played, being played the whole time. So what is it? I mean, uh, under, those circumstances. Now, I bring this up as an ex- as an extreme example. I'm going I'm going somewhere with this. Something similar is being transacted among your friends uh, when you go to um, when you go to a when you go to a Halloween. Uh, party with with people that you know, right? Like, so So I know someone who did, like, a group costume of different Harry Potter characters this year. The, and and like, it means something to sort of go as Harry Potter characters if you know that most of your friends are going to be dressed up as you know, I don't know, Harley Quinn and, and the, the Jared Leto Joker or something like that. Or you know most of them are going to be wearing stock scary costumes or stuff from from horror movies, right? Like like in in the context of your milieu your 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 choices say something about you and they signal um, they signal to your friends a certain amount of of positionality uh, in in the group and this is and it 's either a struggle for status or it 's a struggle for role definition When I say struggle, I mean an effort at status or role definition or 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 something like that right like and i think i i guess i think right like the the what i'm coming to is i think the proper way to understand what people are doing when they're dressing up in halloween costumes is not uh, to look at the level of the co- the cosmic or what they're doing at the level of like the society it's zooming in a little bit and saying what are you saying to your friends with with the way you're dressing up what are you saying to the people who you're going to encounter in the course of uh in the course of of your night I don't know. Am I on to something or or, uh, am I way off base here?
3: Oh, totally. Oh, totally. I think you you definitely are because if you went up to me and said, hey, uh, there's a Halloween party this weekend. What are you going to dress as? I would need more information. Right. About, like, who is going to be at this Halloween party? Is it an office Halloween party? Yeah. Oh, right. Totally different. Is my boss going to be there? Yeah. Is it a house party with friends? Are my friends and I going out to a club or a bar? You know, the, all of those things drastically change the, the sorts of costumes I
2: might be thinking about going as. Yeah. Pete, where were you? Because there's an to audience. Say. Yeah. I was just thinking about how these, this idea interacts with the other ideas that we've talked about and even some other, some other sorts of. Because the idea that your particular group of friends or, or the people, the particular Halloween party you're going to go to speaks. Uh, what's your. It's sort of like you can imagine a 90s self help book called What's Your Halloween Language? Right. Although it happened today, right? It would be in the style of uh, "Men are from Mars, women are from Venus," but it would be like learn your, know your Halloween language. What language do you speak when you speak Halloween? Are you at? a kind of carnivalesque party where you're trying to suspend your kind of rigid rigidity, your social rigidity in the name of kind of celebration. Are you in a social group which is also kind of trying to kind of adjudicate? I want to feel more powerful than I normally feel, but a whole lot of other people are doing it in exactly the same way. And as such, there's like a, a tacit contest, right? Or are you in a group of people that actually appreciate and want to be scared and scary? Which is a whole subset of Halloween, which I'm kind of dismissive of because I'm not part of it. But for the people who are involved in it, is like a big deal, right? And for them, you're like, oh, how scary are you? How does it look? How does it, right? What's your mentality, right? I feel like that is a is a big thing too. But this whole thing that something that that the carnival doesn't just mean that there's no consequences. That's sort of the difference between, uh, I guess, it's the difference between like uh, finding a donkey in the woods and and owning a donkey and bringing it to market it's like the donkey conundrum can happen in like a public structured place or in a sort of a sort of an a, a place of suspended reality well, that's the, the conundrum the
0: the real the real conundrum of the donkey conundrum happens in the mind of the observer but but let's, right, not, right, let's right. not let's not let's not go down that road let's not venture into this yeah this uh path into the woods
2: no, 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 of course, of course. But no, I totally get it that that something is at stake and you would want to be seen. It's like, what What do you feel like you are on the, here, so here's the other side. And this was the other dynamic I really wanted to bring into it. What is the, the big thing that has changed from let's say like 1988 to say like 2016 in terms of Halloween? For me, as as I sort of think about it, is that this is a period of time in which what it means to be of kind of non-standard or sort of non not standard because that's insulting. But you know what I mean? Like of gender or sexual expression of a sort that is not typical in 1988. Right. Like what that means now is so different than it was then and think of all the people that you've known in like in college or at parties or you or have gone to where you i might have found out that somebody was was gay or thought of themselves as trans or expressed themselves in a new way because of what they dressed as for halloween right they were expressing to the world something about themselves in their halloween costume right and and that's similar though less tragic than You know someone's like oh this is what i'm like and someone else is like well i'm clever right that's how i self-identify as my secret is that i'm clever right and that's my secret power that the world doesn't appreciate about me and as such i'm going to like bloom in all my cleverness and everyone's going to appreciate me and affirm me uh for who i really am which is like among the clever people i feel like it's kind of similar in certain ways i don't know i shouldn't say in certain ways i should leave it that i feel it's kind of similar
0: (laughs) uh mark you want to jump in here
1: uh, I I don't not yet. No, I'm still putting the thoughts together. <laughs> Move on. I'm thinking. My when you're, when you're talking about okay, so Pete, when you're talking about uh, this is a, a tangent we might come back to. Uh, when you're talking about how has Halloween changed, uh, like from like the '80s and into now, like one well, one way that it hasn't, uh, is um you know the proliferation of pop culture characters as uh, as, as Halloween costumes, right? I'm I'm thinking in particular if you go back to watch ET. For example, like they actually go out for Halloween uh, in that movie, and who do they notably run across is someone dresses a Yoda outfit, right? So, right, right. Uh, you know, decades later, that at least hasn't changed,
2: right? So that's similar, right? And also, children on Halloween is similar. I don't think, like, I don't, I see a lot of kids trick or treating. I live on like a prime trick or treating road. I think I talked about this last year, where I think last year I gave out 50 bags of candy to a giant parade of children and their parents. And it was a lot of like parents, like dads dressed like Kylo Ren and the little girl's dressed as Ray. And the little girl has no idea who Ray is because the movie hadn't even come out yet. There's a lot of that. But the idea that like the kinds of things that kids dress up as now are very similar to the kinds of things that kids dressed up in. Thirty years ago, right? Because I remember, because it was the same. I mean, there's still Ninja Turtles, right? Like that's not going anywhere. Um, so, but that's so that's the same.
0: And the yeah, I was I was Oscar the Grouch one year. I had a trash can that was pretty cool to walk around with the trash can all day. I, you yeah, know, I yeah. like, yeah, yeah.
2: And the idea of childish play is a different sort of phenomenon. Like I dressed up once as a Domino's pizza delivery kid when I was in like fourth grade. And I, we went to – my dad took me to Domino's pizza and we got one of their jackets. And and I carried a stack of stapled pizza boxes and people chased me around the school like looking – asking – trying to get my pizza. And it was a glorious bit of fun.
0: Oh, wow. That's – you have to avoid the noise. That, but that Indeed. wasn't Domino's. That was <laughs> really that,
2: that was around peak noise. That was still when it was legal to have the 30-minute uh, – <laughs> limit or before it caused a bunch of traffic accidents.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, so Pete, supposing, I mean, this is an interesting question in like semiotics and epistemology, right? Like supposing when you actually went trick or treating, you had given pizzas to people. Right. Right. Would if you, just, you ha- if you as a child give out food, right? Would you have actually been a Domino's Pizza delivery <laughs> man, <laughs> right? Like, what would what would have separated you, like, o- like only w W four form, only the the like the sort of slenderest and most tenuous burden of paperwork, right?
2: Well, I'll ask I'll ask the lawyer if Domino's if the local Domino's gives me a Domino's Pizza jacket and a Domino's Pizza hat, and I have a bunch of Domino's Domino's pizza boxes and they know that I'm trick or treating and I go out and I give people pizza that has like laxatives and other things in it and it makes them really sick and someone gets badly hurt can they sue the dominos for not expecting that giving a child the dominos outfit would cause people to trust the pizza in a way that like isn't is uh, is short on their legal obligations for the liability how would that work in terms of torts man courts?
3: that is a great uh, tort, tort <laughs> final exam question uh, cuz well first you would need to know whether or not there was a like kind of basically de facto employment relationship by providing all that stuff. <laughs> uh, and so, and then you would need to know, Ah, uh, whether you're acting within the scope of your employment, it would depend on state law. So, man, you could really get into it on a torts. Uh, <laughs> well, that's.
0: Torts. I mean, of course, of <laughs> course, there is a de facto employment when they give you actual stuff. I mean, they may not think that they're employing you as a pizza delivery man, but they're they're uh, or pizza delivery boy, I suppose. But they they are um, you know, because then there's a whole child labor angle on it as well. Well, the uh, the, the the tricky
3: part of this question is there's no privity of contract between the person receiving the pizza and Domino's. If you were going out and making deliveries, yeah, and also asking for candy, yeah, sure, you'd be an employee of Domino's. But here, you're just going out on your own and giving Domino's to people if they want it.
0: Oh, but my my, my point is that they are they're employing you as a kind of brand ambassador, even if even if they're not
2: employing. So, if, if we're people giving out like Patron at a at a bar, right, and they were marketing, they were employed by a PR agency that was working for Patron, right, to go out into a bar and give out Patron to people, and they just started giving out antifreeze, right? Like, who's <laughs> liable in that situation? Because I bet a lot of people are. Uh, well, <laughs> so uh, that's maybe we're we'll getting well, off but, the topic but, a little bit. You can sue everybody and just <laughs> yeah. see what happens. Great. We way, customs top, don't if, actually absolve you of responsibility for your actions or for the actions of your employer. But a, a, as,
1: for, as it appears, we are leaving this part of the conversation. I just want to clarify with you, Ben, that um, the conversation we just had does, in fact, constitute legal advice. Right? And listening to this podcast <laughs> does
3: establish yes. a, a attorney-client
1: relationship with you. you right? You can't right? tell
2: anyone what Ben has
3: told you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please send all of your confidential legal queries to <laughs> podcast. No. No. Please do not. No. 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 no podcast, don't do that. This podcast is not a lawyer <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah it's not even dressed as one for halloween right like hey you want to talk about power fantasies right like why not why not uh why not dress as like uh, an investment banker for halloween right like why not dress as you know uh why not dress as part of the shadowy cabal that actually I runs mean, our government why not you a know?
1: patrick bacon an american psycho halloween costume would actually be a pretty good uh a pretty good choice that would read pretty well
0: i actually so saturday i was walking home and i walked past a uh, like a, uh like a horror movie halloween costume um a kid who was walking in the street with a rubber mask on that was like it was like an old scary looking older guy and uh uh kind of rubber mask with like wild hair and stuff like that and he had a baseball bat and was dragging the baseball bat along the ground against the curb he was walking in the street and i was up on the sidewalk uh and i looked and i grinned like i was i was thrilled and sort of tickled by by this thing but i thought like from a a a certain point like if you're someone who feels less who feels less secure who feels more vulnerable like walking down a dark city street than than i do um uh, you know, ensconced as I am in the castle of my privilege, uh, like that might be actually something that's legitimately a little threatening. Like that's, li- or maybe more than a little uh, uh, threatening to you. Uh, uh, you know, threatening even uh, more than Domino's Pizza with laxatives in it, or or something like that. Like the, this is a whole. You know the the there's there's an interesting like public private. Uh, there's an interesting public private thing once you kind of go out into the world and go go trick or treating because i feel like the very scary halloween stuff and the stuff that i've seen i've seen like video online of haunted houses that seem like like just the worst just the worst thing you could imagine not just people jumping out but like people grabbing you and stuff and you get like shoved into rooms and locked in and you know loud music and stuff like uh which i i can't imagine why a, a you know, mentally capable adult would willingly volunteer for an experience like this, but uh, that's why they make chocolate and vanilla. Um, and some third crappy flavor that uh, that no one should want but uh but like I feel like that that 's okay in the you know once everyone kind of signs on for that experience, but if you you know if you take your your like creepy horror movie mask and start dragging a baseball bat in in through the street like it you know i don 't know what at what point. Um, at what point am I entitled to say, hold on, I have not, I have not consented to enact this fantasy, uh, uh, w- w- with you, right? And this is a, this is an, this is an interesting question, I think, right? Because I feel like there is a general kind of blanket social license, uh, to go a little bit, uh, outside, outside the normal bounds, but it's a, um, it's a, a, a. I, I would probably say like if you started uh, coming up with fact patterns, right? It would be like a gray line as to where we were on the good side and the 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 bad side where we ran afoul of well, that license. So-
1: A real-life example comes to mind, well, not from my own lived experience, but uh, from the news media. Um, And I feel like this actually happens every few years where a public figure... Um, probably like a member of the British royalty that will dress up as a Nazi <laughs> at a private Halloween party. That only and happened it shows once, up.
2: right? It does not happen all the time. It's like oh, it happened once. Here. I, I, I feel like <laughs> it
1: ought to happen more often. <laughs> if it hasn't <laughs> happened, it ought to happen more often. Anyway, I think yes, a member of the British Royalty. <laughs> I mean that
0: we know about Nazi maybe that's the, for, the Snapchat conspiracy yeah, that Robert Langton is gonna There uncover. are
3: definitely this is definitely a phenomenon of people getting caught wearing embarrassed wearing racially insensitive or otherwise offensive costume that a picture then comes out and becomes a whole like i feel like there are people that have been caught in blackface oh, and, yeah, and various yeah. other yeah
1: yeah and if like if their thought process was i have to take public transportation in order to get to this party where i have this very insensitive thing uh where you know it will be seen as okay with my peers and i might not actually put this thing on because the rest of society will, will look down upon it um so well, that that raises an interesting other thing there around a privilege and how you don't have to take public transportation to expose yourself to the public with your racially insensitive thing, and you just show up, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's so that's, that's what comes to mind. Well, this is and, the and
0: there's and there's like there's actually it's not even just public transportation, right? Like, but because of the technology, any private space becomes public space when something is published uh, in a public way digitally. It's completely you know it's totally out of the barn. It's a, it's a bell you can't unring to use. What I think is a, a a legal metaphor, and not to just bring everything back to my Robert Langdon. Um, Snapchat idea, but I think that it does, I mean, I think that it does do that, right? Like the, 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 uh, publishing tools, um, the readily available publishing tools does kind of blur this line between, between public and, and private in a way where we all become, um, in the words of, of the, the British comedian, Stuart Lee, we become like a state surveillance agency staffed by extremely gullible volunteers, uh, where, where we all <laughs> contribute, like where, you know, uh, you know, big brother, same moi, right? Like, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's something that we, whether we want to or not, uh, knowingly or unknowingly contribute to Pete, what were you about to say?
2: So, so I wanted to connect your idea and Mark's idea which and i and i and i like this i have a i'm excited about this i think this is a good a good way of thinking about it a halloween costume is an appeal when you wear a halloween costume and you go out into the world whether that's through the media with the social media or otherwise whether it's when you go to an actual party whether you have people over what it is is it's an appeal to have someone else accept that you are dressed like this, right? And that for you to accept what is projected as, as an actual representation of yourself, right, uh, for a temporary basis. And what, what I mean by this is, uh, you know, if you are out there and you're super scary, right? And you're sort of asking for some, well, the power there is that people will be scared of you and as such will kind of consent to you being scary. They will, they will, they will affirm your appeal, right? You'll go out there and be like, am I scary? And they'll be like, yes. Right. Or you'll go out and you'll say, am I sexy? And they'll be like, yes. Right. Or you'll go out there and you'll be like, am I Road Warrior Hawk from the Legion of Doom? And one guy will be like, <laughs> Road Warrior Hawk. And be like, yes. Right. And, you, and that's all it takes. Right. Because I, I was thinking about that. This idea of the five percenter costumes, which I love to do, where you dress as something pretty obscure and then like maybe two people get it. But it's one person who's in a subway station and who yells it out from across the platform. And that's awesome. And this idea of that Mark is saying. That if you were to dress in a really racist Halloween costume, what you're saying is that, A, you're so high status that the people who would disagree with you don't have the power to deny your appeal. And B, that the people who are really – you really care about will ingratiate your appeal either because they agree with you or because they hold you in such high esteem that they have to. Right? It's a power move to dress as something super offensive and to – I mean it's not it's not – Admirable, but it's a power move to dress as something super offensive and be like, "Well, you have to be okay with it because you're going to be okay with whatever I make as appeal of as myself." Well,
3: to to use the language we I was using earlier, it's there's team scary, there's team sexy, and there's team offensive. Right, right, that's, right. That's like the team you're 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 rooting for. Well, right?
2: I, guys, guys, I have a person who's covered in glitter. Yes, I am willing to think of you as that. Like, are you willing to think of me as Groot? Like, yes, I, not with that costume, maybe with a better one. Anyway,
0: go ahead. <laughs> I'm not I, I, I haven't played Pokemon Go, so I don't know if I'm on Team Sexy, <laughs> Team Scary or Team Fancy. yet.
2: All the, all the gyms around me are level 10 and controlled by Team Offensive. It's hmm. just really it's really difficult. It, I feel very victimized. Well, there's <laughs> by I the mean, way, Pokemon like... Go is doing a great promotion where you get extra candy and extra Halloween Pokemon. If you ever wanted to evolve a Meowth into a Persian, now's the time. You want to do it now. So get out there, people. <laughs> Catch those Meowths. Ooh, spooky. And but- Chewbone is the spookiest Pokemon because he wears his mother's skull as armor, which what? is creepy. Yeah, Cubone's super creepy. That's the word that Cubone is the ultimate Halloween costume. That,
0: well, well, that is that is particularly <laughs> scary, and and in yeah. typical in typical fashion, because this is the the sort of point that I would make, being a jerk. Um, I I I want to point out that you, really, no matter what you what you dress as, you're not on a different continuum from Prince Harry dressed as Hitler, right? Like that 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 power move is it's what you're always doing that it's what what Pete 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 says right you're always sort of making a play for people to accept you as as the thing you are and sort of making a play that they have to accept you uh, as the thing you are right like suppose you suppose you wore a costume that was provocative in in some sort of socially progressive way i'm not quite sure off the top of my head what that would be but i'm sure we could yeah. we could come yeah. up with if something
2: you played like native american covered in oil for example
0: Right. Yeah, okay yeah sure absolutely that actually and you had would sign be a contest that said water is life right yeah that would be on uh, that would be pretty on point given uh you know given uh current events um right and the, you there could be a lot of discussion about could, could, uh, cultural appropriation wearing the Native American uh, outfit and like how how you manage to signify that uh, or th- those and like the whole idea of it's well it's not one thing it's a uh, you know a bunch of different cultures but but set that aside your your uh, protests in the oil pipeline and the the um you know that 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 right wh- what you're you're always making the claim that you have the right to be the thing you are uh by by performing it um perform it performatively or that people can't stop you or shouldn't be able to stop you um and that's right and and that's uncomfortably close uh to what the, well it, it's uncomfortable or not, depending on on your proclivities, I guess, but like to to wearing something that is ipso facto d- offensive, like being a Nazi uh, as as though that were a joke um, and uh, and go going out and this you know and again, because I'm a jerk, this is the kind of this is the kind of point that 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 I like to make uh, that when we are doing good. We're not behaving all that differently from the people who we think are not doing good a, a a lot of a lot of the time.
2: Yeah, but you can do it in different ways. Like somebody punching a wall is making the same action as somebody punching a person, but it has different consequences, right? Like, but then you get into consequences. Can you demonstrate consequences, or is it that the thing being done in yeah, principle I, 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 a that? Uh,
0: well, I'm am a little surprised to hear you say that, Pete, because the uh, the you're you're one of the biggest critics uh that i know of consequentialist ethics <laughs> yeah good point, good point. <laughs> because that's you don't right. know what's on the other side of that wall you that's, know it like, could be really strong
2: uh i mean i mean i would also even i don't know whether i don't know whether that makes me comfortable with condemning people wearing halloween costumes if that's no, i'm not i'm
0: not no i'm not I'm, I'm not saying that 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 we should condemn people wearing halloween costumes and i'm not saying that you should or shouldn't go a, as a native american covered oil to uh to yeah, protest but if i were native
2: american i might
0: yeah exactly to but, protest to protest well and then in that that case you're not going as a native american you're going as a person drenched in oil um the uh you know to to protest uh energy exploitation in in certain you know in in certain ways you, but, but what somebody- i I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not making a normative claim. I'm, I'm trying to puzzle out the dynamics of what happens when, when we wear, we wear Halloween costumes. And I think like, uh, aside from the discourses of offensiveness and aside from whom, who we may or may not harm, right? Like the way that claim works, the claim you're talking about of the kind of, you have to accept me as this, uh, that that is, you know, that that is sort of, assertive in all in all cases whether or not you feel like the person is entitled to assert that or not that's a different that's a different conversation but that that the uh the the kind of the the arrogating to yourself the um arrogating uh, to yourself the the privilege of trying to dictate how others see you right is um it is an interesting the privilege. The r- privilege,
2: I guess, the privilege should dictate it is what you're saying. Yeah, the privi- I wouldn't consider that wanting to have an influence, however, of others see you as as a privilege. No, I, right? Like I would think of that as a right. Although, so let me. I mean, let me you want to affect that,
3: right? But anyway. Let me complicate this question a little bit because we've been talking about a costume as a method of asserting something in the social setting. But for our audience that's been listening to this podcast uh, on the day it's released of Halloween and is saying. Oh God! Oh God! I have a Halloween party tonight, and I don't have a costume. What can I wear that will just get me by? Yeah. See, that's like, the other well, thing. Because well, totally. there's a huge demographic of people that they're at the they're at the costume party. Just whatever will get them not to ask not to have people ask them the question, what are you dressed as?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, so the question is, sometimes you go out there and you're saying, you have to accept me as this, and what you're doing is making a statement about yourself. But other people go out there and are saying, what can I dress as that will make people the most likely to accept me as the thing that I am dressed as? And that's why you have pop culture costumes for children, because people see Yoda and they're like, that's Yoda, right? I, even,
3: I mean, even one layer further than that of, I'm, you know, there are people that just aren't costume people. They don't particularly have a strong point of view that they would like to express to the party. They would just like to go to a party with their friends and not get hassled about not wearing a costume. Right. And so, they're, and, they, or they may just not have the time you're busy. Right. You don't, you don't have time. And so it's like you, you get off work at five and the party's at eight oh, and you look yeah. around the, you look around the house and you find a funny hat. Oh, for, and figure for, out what goes with
0: that. For women, easy. Rosie the Riveter, right? Like red bandana, denim shirt, you're done. Uh, right. but the, the, uh, uh yeah for for uh i don't know like i yeah i don't i just uh, stay home from the parties rather than right. dealing with that I mean,
3: I, by the, I, I, by the I, way could. for for our audience that's looking for a costume i saw this uh, a couple of years ago easiest costume in the world go to sherwin williams get 50 shades of gray and the little swatches you can get for free pin them to your <laughs> shirt 50 shades of gray costs
2: nothing and it's clever there you go I mean, you. I, I would also say that unclever traditional gothic horror Halloween costumes are underrated. Like go as a witch. Go as a vampire, right? Like, like, just like I don't have anything to prove, right? Do I look like Dracula? Sure, you know, like that's, that's yeah, that's, sure, I'm a,
0: exactly. Like, get, yeah. yeah, get some, get some, uh, uh, borrow some, like uh, black eyeliner, draw the widow's peak into your into your forehead, uh, <laughs> right? Or if you're like me, lucky enough to have male pattern baldness, you have it already, and that step is is <laughs> is, is done. I
1: mean, <laughs> I would argue that that could be interpreted as a Normcore move, right? And then that yeah. further complicates what. we we were trying to That's put forward as an uncomplicated complicated. Complicated,
0: uh, move. Yeah, it depends. Gosh. Well, again, it depends on the context in the uh, you know the context that you're in, right? Like if you're in a uh, like an extremely sophisticated crowd, right? Like if you're at the overthinking the uh, Halloween party where, like, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, Pete comes as uh, uh, I don't know. Pete. What are you? What are you coming as? Uh, oh, what you, am I coming as to the Halloween uh, party? Road Warrior Hawk from the Legion of Doom.
2: I did that already. I would probably I would come as uh, as as uh, Jeremy Clarkson,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? And or or guy. or else is at Richard, yeah. Hansen or guy. Today.
0: You know, guy. Yeah, right, and like
2: guy, uh, I did Guy Fieri last
0: year. Oh, was, well, there, there you go. You come as Guy Fieri, and Mark comes as the metaphysical concept of shame, and Ben comes as like <laughs> you know, I don't know, uh, right? Like, and then I show up as Dracula, and in that case, like I'm I'm saying you have to accept me. As this, <laughs> you have to accept me as this traditional gothic horror. You you have to what you have to accept is that I put no effort into my costume, <laughs> and that's the ultimate power move. That's just the dress uh, as
2: Ken Bone. Just
0: be Ken Bone all the way. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Red sweater, guy, guys. Red sweater, and and you're but done. I mean, this, I could,
2: this nexus of types of Halloween is is exactly what the David Pumpkin sketch is about, right? Right. Yeah. Where it's like and dressing up and different ways of dressing up. Right. Is is what it, and what that means. A different context. Is he from something? Am I supposed to? Is this a Halloween costume that's supposed to be clever? It's certainly not a Halloween costume that's supposed to be scary. It's not really a Halloween costume that appears to be sexy, although they seem to be claiming that it is. Like what <laughs> Halloween discourse is David Pumpkins in, right? And that's that's the joke. Right, and he's like he's his own thing. He's you know? his, own his own thing, own thing.
3: and he's the, the skeletons <laughs> are part of right. part of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, guys, the, what oh, makes yeah. the sketch so great is that it ends and it actually is scary because he scares the
2: he scares <laughs> them by jumping up from behind them. Because he insists on himself, you know, it is <laughs> craft. It's not just context; it's also craft. How do you sell the costume?
0: But guys, it might it might be time for this podcast to uh, this this podcast to go off into the next world. Uh, this has been its own thing, uh, and uh, and we have all been part of it thanks very much uh, for listening and thanks to the panel, to Ben, to Mark and to Pete for uh, participating in our spooky Halloween Overthinking It podcast we'll be back with more next week until then, visit us on the web at Overthinking It where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it it probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve
2: Ah 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 fire back fire back